mean, step one, two, and three is making sure that you are insulin sensitive and that your insulin levels are under control. This is foundational for metabolic health. This means that your body is able to take up glucose from the bloodstream efficiently and use it. There are so many different ideologies out there about what to do and how to do it, and it can get very overwhelming. Welcome back to the Energized with Dr. Marisa podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marisa, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones, optimize your metabolic health, and feel energized in your body so that you can age powerfully and wake up feeling amazing in your body for many years to come. Let's jump on in. Hey, one more thing. Did you know that one of the biggest nutrient deficiencies that I see in people, especially women, is a magnesium deficiency? It's because we burn through the super mineral so quickly. Now, this powerful mineral packs a massive punch because magnesium is involved in over 600 reactions in the body. Now, it is your best friend if you need more energy, better sleep, a faster metabolism, improved digestion, and not to mention happier periods. And you can quickly replenish your magnesium levels with my essentially whole magnesium restore supplement made with my favorite form of magnesium, magnesium glycinate. Use promo code podcast and get 10% off your entire order at drmarisa.com slash magnesium. Now I'll have the link in the show notes for this episode to make it easy. Go and try it out today. The unfortunate truth is that most doctors, especially your primary doctor, will struggle to identify metabolic dysfunction because it can be both overt and subtle. Overtly, metabolic dysfunction looks like obesity, which is dysfunctional body fat storage often measured by BMI, or insulin resistance and diabetes, which is dysfunctional glucose processing, or non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which is dysfunctional management of glucose and fat inside of the liver, or even cancer, because cancer cells thrive on excess sugar, or Alzheimer's disease, now being called type 3 diabetes with evidence of insulin resistance inside of the brain, or cardiovascular diseases like heart attack and stroke, which is damage to vessels from inflammation and excess glucose, or even chronic kidney disease, vessels of the kidney impaired by excess glucose. But more subtly, poor metabolic health can look like a full spectrum of daily pain points of modern living that keep us from reaching our full potential. This looks like fatigue, brain fog, depression, anxiety, lack of exercise endurance, infertility, irregular menstrual cycles, hot flashes and night sweats, acne, chronic pain, increased appetite and cravings, and more. Now, I'm really excited about today's interview because we're diving into the many facets of metabolic health and what drives metabolic dysfunction. We even explore the connection between metabolic health and our hormones. And what I know for sure is that it's all connected because metabolism is life. Our cellular metabolism is our life force. So optimizing how efficiently we create energy really needs to be one of our biggest priorities. Currently, only 7% of Americans have good metabolic health. The other 93% of us display one or more features that indicate that they have metabolic dysfunction and that their bodies are not able to utilize and process fat and carbohydrates efficiently. Now, I don't know about you, but the spectrum of subtle metabolic dysfunction concerns me because it can start so young. It's one of the areas I believe we've got to focus on 
not just for our overall health, but also for our longevity. Since our metabolism is tied to how we age, we got to ask ourselves, how do we want to age? I personally want to age powerfully, and I know that my guest, Dr. Casey Means, feels the exact same way. So today we're going to equip you with daily lifestyle strategies to keep your blood sugar balanced and your metabolism optimized for greater longevity. Now, before I welcome Dr. Casey back to the show, which I believe is her third time, I want to quickly sing her praises. Dr. Casey Means is a Stanford-trained MD, biomedical researcher, and she is the chief medical officer of pioneering digital health startup Levels. She's leveraging breakthrough technology to solve the epidemic threatening the health and well-being of over 90% of the U.S. population known as metabolic dysfunction. Let's welcome Dr. Casey to the show. Here's something I know every woman can agree on. Stubborn belly fat can feel like the worst, especially when you've tried everything to lose it. Not to mention, belly fat can be dangerous for us too. According to a brand new study, women over 40 who have excessive belly fat are up to 20% more likely to suffer a heart attack. And no surprise, hormones are involved in belly fat production, which is actually good news because we can optimize your hormones and metabolism for a flatter stomach. And that's exactly what I'm offering to you as a free gift today. My Belly Slim Down Guide gives you three effective strategies to get rid of belly fat, along with recipes to reduce bloating, balance your blood sugar, and speed up your metabolic furnace to optimize fat burning. So grab the Belly Slim Down Guide with my proven protocols and recommendations and recipes now at drmarisa.com slash slimdown. That's drmarisa.com slash slimdown, and the link will be in the show notes. Welcome, Dr. Casey Means, girl. It is such a pleasure to have you here on the newly rebranded podcast. Ooh, how are you doing? You are looking so hot in LA right now. I am so good. I am so grateful for the opportunity to sit down and chat with you. It is always just a complete joy. So I cannot wait to talk about all things metabolic health. Yes, 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 yes. And we were already brainstorming. So ladies, listen up. We are locked and loaded about what we want to talk about to really show up for you. And we're going to kick off this conversation with something, I don't know, is it controversial still? Is is it the elephant in the room? I wanted to talk to you about Ozempic and, you know, what we're looking at in terms of just your opinion on, you know, being a metabolic expert, being a co-founder in Levels Health, where you are tracking blood glucose levels along with other markers And you're seeing a lot of of people coming to you, probably potentially on this medication or not. And I'd love to hear your stance on how you feel about medications like Ozempic and what are some of your recommendations if people choose to go that route? Oh, great question. Such a hot topic right now. And I think that, I mean, one thing that's just astounding is how it sort of is taking the world by storm, especially since I just moved to LA three months ago, I feel like here versus where I was living previously, which was Oregon, it's like 10 times more a part of conversation in this part of the world. And I think part of that is because this medication that traditionally was used as a diabetes medication is now being used for weight loss. And and that is just getting a lot of people really excited because of course, uh, weight loss is something that a lot of Americans are striving for. We've got Uh, 74% of Americans right now are dealing with overweight or obesity. 
And over 50% of Americans go on a diet every year. And of course, it's not working uh, the way that we're approaching it because every year we're actually getting heavier as a country. And so there's this effort outcome mismatch that's happening in the diet world. And Ozempic seems like it's a silver bullet to cut through that. And I think the question is, is it actually a silver bullet? Or is it possible that we've just been approaching weight loss incorrectly because we haven't been really focusing on true metabolic optimization and insulin sensitivity. And that's why we've had this effort outcome mismatch. So to talk a little bit about Ozempic, so this is a GLP-1 receptor uh, agonist, and it has several effects on the body, some of which we don't even fully understand, um, some of which may be acting in the gut, some that are actually acting in the brain to make us less hungry or not have so much of a sense of a need to eat. Some of the things that are exciting about it is that it causes people to to drop a profound amount of weight very, very quickly. So it actually, it does work in the sense that it lowers the number on the scale. The downsides of it though are a long list. The first is that there are a lot of side effects and a lot of the side effects are just so unpleasant that people are just getting off the medication. Even for people who are on this for type two diabetes, the majority of people get off within a few months because the side effects are actually intolerable. So this can be things like diarrhea, constipation, nausea, stomach pain, all sorts of things. But there's also more serious side effects like kidney failure and a type of thyroid cancer, very, very rare. Um, But there are more serious side effects, pancreatitis, um, that you want to definitely watch out for um, and take into account when you're thinking about the cost benefit of going on something like this. But those general sort of GI upset symptoms seem to be quite common. And while on one hand, they actually make people less hungry, and so that's part of why they're not eating, they're not fun to deal with. So a lot of people are discontinuing the medication just because of side effects. The second piece that's been emerging that is concerning is that people seem to be not only losing fat, but losing a lot of muscle as well. And so there are different numbers thrown around, but when you just like go on a diet and and lose weight, you're probably losing somewhere around like like some of that weight is going to be lean mass, like muscle. That's just normal. When you lose weight, some of it's going to be muscle, some of it's going to be fat. And you want to make, of course, as little of it muscle loss and the most fat loss. And there's different strategies to help do that. But maybe around 20% of weight loss would be lean lean mass on a, on a sort of healthful diet. With Ozempic, it's looking like it's more like 40%, 30 to 40% lean lean mass that's being lost. And so that's very concerning because when you think about an aging population, the last thing you want is an under-muscled aging population. That can lead to a condition called sarcopenia, which is essentially not having enough muscle. And muscle is our organ of longevity. As Dr. Gabrielle Lyon has so beautifully been you know, espousing on her channel and her new book, Forever Strong, it is the organ of longevity. It is armor on our body that uh, both releases several hormones and anti-inflammatory chemicals, myokines, that have wide-reaching metabolic positive effects but also it's the biggest glucose sink. You know, it takes up glucose and processes it. And the more muscle and the more efficient muscle we have, the better off we're going to be both strength, protection from injuries, production of these really healthful chemicals in our body, and a just general glucose sink. So losing muscle bad, that's a big concern about 
semaglutide and Ozempic and these medications. And then the last one I would mention is that people are regaining the weight when they come off the medication. So the, the majority of people will gain the majority of the weight back if they get off the medication. So when you get on this, you're sort of signing up for a lifetime of this medication, if nothing else changes. And that's pretty concerning. So, you know, just coming from, from my standpoint, like I do not want to be locked into a medication for the rest of my life with the risk of having a huge rebound weight gain. If I were to ever get off this injection, it's basically like being dependent on it. So I think that then breeds the question, we have a population now where there's a lot of people using this medication. What can people do to set themselves up for success if they were to get off the medication, if they did want to transition off of it? Let's say they did have, they reached some weight goals, they want to get off the medication, what can they do? And I'd love to see a lot more out there in the conversation around that piece because if there can be programs or support for people to basically transition healthfully off these medications, I think that would be really positive. And from my standpoint, what that looks like is using the medication to jumpstart a period of, pro- of being very stuck with weight where you've just been maybe unsuccessful for years trying to, to budge the weight. And that can be, of course, incredibly frustrating. We live in a massively obesogenic environment that makes it virtually just so hard to lose weight. It's a big uphill battle. And there's a lot of people who are trying super hard who are not getting the results they want. So let's say it's a jumpstart. People lose weight. They're feeling extremely motivated. Maybe they're feeling more limber, more able to be active. Use that opportunity to get an accountability buddy, get a coach, get in touch with someone you know who's going to help you create a structured movement plan. Start the moving all throughout the day with some low-grade walking. Start a resistance training program. Protect yourself from the muscle loss. Start lifting heavy weights under supervision so that you're actually building muscle instead of just losing it. I would say that's huge. Really focus on the calories that you're eating, getting enough protein to fuel that muscle growth when you're on Ozempic. And then use the opportunity while on this medication to learn how to cook a whole foods diet and learn how to acquire, source, acquire, cook, and eat as much clean, whole foods, low glycemic as possible, and really build a metabolically healthier body. The concern about a medication like Ozempic is that while it may cause you to lose some weight, it's if everything else stays the same, it's not actually going to generate true metabolic health. True metabolic health is built from the daily actions around food, sleep, movement, stress management, toxin avoidance, the basic pillars of metabolic health. So the key would be to use the jumpstart from the medication to get the motivation to basically build in these healthy habits with community support, accountability, whatever makes it easier for you to stay accountable, and then hopefully move in the direction towards a a longer, healthier, healthier life. So that's how I would approach it. I'd love to see startups or systems or healthcare systems really building programs like this to leverage the, you know, encouraging kickstart from a medication to actually build a truly foundational, healthier lifestyle. But that's not what I'm seeing right now, unfortunately. Not across the board. Like I've seen, I've seen these little pockets of functional doctors who have patients that are coming in who are admittedly saying, hey, I'm on it. And, and then they implement a protocol. 
you know, my thyroid doctor who has a lot of women, obviously with hypothyroidism, who've been struggling to lose weight for so very long, you know, so many of her patients came to her with it. And so she developed a whole program. But again, she's one of very few. And you're absolutely right. I just wanted to point out if we're losing 40% of our muscle and then we get off of this medication because one, we can't be on it forever. You have to at least cycle it in and out that you then don't have the metabolic sink to support the blood sugar variability that's happening, depending on if you didn't change the way that you ate at all. And so you go out of this with the inability to actually claim some of that glucose so that it's not raising your insulin levels. And then you kind of just end up in this spiral. Thanks for sharing your guidance and recommendations. I know that a lot of my ladies are thinking about it or on it or on the other side of it and trying to figure out, you know, why am I not ultimately seeing the results that I originally had, you know, just a couple months down the road. All right. I want to speak into what can, let's say that I know there's a lot of women who are not going to do it. A lot of people who that's not on the table for them. They really want the tried and true way of helping to support their metabolic health and, you know, and really balancing out their blood glucose. And so I know that you've been on the show a couple of times, but I want to just go over the basics a little bit about, you know, you've got a woman who's struggling with weight resistance and calorie restriction, maybe crazy intermittent fasting. I mean, she's just trying all the trends, but the thing that she's missing, the thing that we know is that she's not unlocking that that metabolic fire. She's not really connecting in with reducing insulin resistance. And so I'd love to just speak into kind of the nuts and bolts of what women can do on a daily basis to really tap into their metabolic engine, looking at it from that perspective, a very holistic perspective that's not only going to get us those long-term results. I mean, we're talking about hopefully what I mean by long-term results is buying us extra years is what I'm talking about, Casey. I'm talking about longevity, you know, not only just buying us extra years, but also helping to us to manage some of the symptoms that we are managing right now as well. Yes, absolutely. I mean, step one, two, and three is making sure that you are insulin sensitive and that your insulin levels are under control. This is foundational for metabolic health. This means that your body is able to take up glucose from the bloodstream efficiently and use it. And so to understand that, the first step is to test it. I am really such a believer in knowing where you stand. I think especially for women, a lot of the cognitive overhead comes from, there are so many different ideologies out there about what to do and how to do it. And it can get very overwhelming. And a lot of that can just be cut through so efficiently if you test the right things to start, implement a strategy that feels right and sustainable for you, and then retest and see if it's working. It's fairly black and white when you approach it that way. Like understand where you stand, implement something that works for you, and then retest. And if things aren't moving, then it may be time to adjust the plan a little bit and tweak it again and then retest. But to really get that baseline, you know, I believe that every person in the world, and of course, especially women who after menopause end up really going down a a worse metabolic path than men they need to know before menopause, I mean, ideally even earlier in life, but yeah, I mean, of course, perimenopause and then of course in the fertility years because insulin sensitivity and metabolic health is going to be essentially 
one of the key deterministic factors of ability to conceive, healthy pregnancy, postpartum weight, all of these things. It's all related to metabolic health and and insulin resistance. So certainly all throughout the lifetime, but when we see women really starting to struggle disproportionately, even more than men, it's in that perimenopausal, postmenopausal years. And so it's just really important to understand where you're starting and where you're going. So this is basically getting lab work done and getting asking your doctor to get the right stuff. Some of the ones that I think are really foundational and key that aren't necessarily practiced, fasting insulin. You got to get the fasting insulin, you know? And if your doctor's not going to order it for you, you kind of need to find a way to get it outside of the system. Either get a functional medicine doctor, a naturopathic doctor, some doctor or practitioner who's focused on more holistic and metabolic health or through like a company like Function Health or Levels. Like there's ways to get it, but you actually do have to be your own advocate. I also, of course, love triglycerides and HDL. Together, those two can tell you a lot about your insulin sensitivity. Triglycerides really are such a helpful biomarker to kind of understand like how much excess your body is dealing with in terms of refined carbohydrates and sugars. Like what is the load that the kind of body is being put under? And because a lot of that will be converted and stored to triglycerides. So to me, it's a really good snapshot. It's like a $5 snapshot of like sort of how overburdened is my body with substrates that it's being tasked to process and how well is it doing it? And so for insulin... There's not what's considered really like an optimal range in the standard literature, but in talking to so many experts and synthesizing their opinions and just synthesizing the research, we really recommend like a range of about two to six milli IUs per milliliter, certainly less than 10. On your lab slip, it's going to say less than 25 is normal. It's just wild. And then for triglycerides, like really making sure aiming for under about 100 even less than 70 can be really good. Um, I like to see less than 70. And then an HDL, like up above 60, like the 60 to 90 range, the lab slip is going to say, oh, above 40 is okay. But if you're like in the 41, 42 range, that's not high enough. And then with this triglyceride to HDL ratio, which basically is telling you like, okay, here's what we don't want to be high on the top. And then what we do want to be high on the bottom, you want that number to basically be close to one or lower. So essentially less of the bad stuff, more of the good stuff. So let's say your triglycerides are 70 and your HDL is 70. That's a ratio of one. That's excellent. That's that's saying that like your body's doing a good job clearing through the, the glucose and the, the carbohydrates. And it's making a lot of the good HDL cholesterol. It's going to shuttle cholesterol back towards the liver to be processed. So those are like three basic tests that together maybe cost $50 and are life-saving. Like they can actually really tell you where you stand in terms of metabolic health. Of course, fasting glucose is also a really important one. The standard range would say that less than 100 is normal. The data really supports that more like 70 to 85 milligrams per deciliter for a fasting glucose is the more optimal range associated with less risk of future chronic disease. Hemoglobin A1C great test. Not my favorite test, to be honest, because it's a little hard. If you just had that one test alone, it doesn't give you enough information. It really doesn't tell you about your insulin sensitivity. You really need some of those other tests I mentioned, but less than 5.7% would be considered normal. You want to see it lower than that, more in like the 5% range, maybe 5.5 at like the most. And so... Those are some tests that I really like. Of course, there's everyone's going to say, what about LDL cholesterol, which is, you know, what's sometimes colloquially called the bad cholesterol. 
This is a really important test, but there's limitations to it. And one of them is that there are more than one type of LDL cholesterol in the blood. There's different subtypes of LDL. And that one number doesn't tell you how much of each of those subtypes there are. And some of the subtypes are more associated with heart disease and some aren't. So if you're someone with a subtype that's a lot more of the sort of more benign type of LDL, you're not going to know that. So you might have a slightly higher LDL, but it's actually the, the, the type that's not so problematic. So one of the little kind of like interesting sort of like ways you can triangulate the lab test is if you have a triglyceride to HDL ratio and it's like one, less than one, maybe less like certainly less than 1.5. If it's in that lower range, if your triglycerides are under 100, your HDL is high, your insulin is low between two and six, and your LDL is like a little bit on the higher end, that might be okay. That might be a signal that the actual LDLs that you have in your blood aren't the problematic type. You can test that. And that is actually great, which is, yeah, which is the advanced lipid testing, the NMR testing. And you can ask your doctor for that, which will actually tell you exactly how much of the different types of LDL you have. But you can get some clues from those other tests, insulin, triglyceride, HDL ratio, that will give you kind of a clue of where your LDL might be skewing in terms of the subtypes. But it's always better to just test the the different particle types by asking your doctor for advanced lipid testing, NMR lipid testing. So there's several others. And of course, if the picture is confusing, if you're kind of doing everything right and things still feel like they're they're just not optimal, that's when, of course, getting a lot of other tests can be really helpful, like thyroid hormones, micronutrient levels, vitamin D, you know, certainly uric acid, inflammatory markers, growth hormone, and kind of trying to get like the full picture. But I'd always start with those first like five to seven tests that I mentioned, which really give you this snapshot of like, what is my metabolic health? And to just super, super simplify it, what I'd love everyone listening, if I really had to like boil it down to three that I just feel like I would like everyone in in the world to be able to rattle off, it would be like fasting insulin, fasting glucose and triglycerides. Like just like make sure you know those and can rattle them off. And if those are creeping up out of that range of like two to six insulin, over a hundred for triglycerides, over 85 for fasting glucose, like it's really time to start thinking about like how to dial in some of this stuff and uh, and get on a plan for metabolic optimization. So that's kind of how some of the tests that I, I really, really like. Any others that, that do those ranges kind of fit with your paradigm too? I know you're doing this day in and day out as well. <laughs> those are my ranges. I like under five for fasting insulin. Personally, anything above a seven, I start to get a little, I'm like, hmm, that starts to signal a little bit of insulin resistance to me. But yeah, those, I mean, the top four for me are fasting insulin, triglycerides, HDL, fasting glucose. And I I don't mind, you know, a a hemoglobin A1C just to kind of look at that trio together, just to make sure everything's lining up. Then we go into further testing. But that can give me a great sense of someone's metabolic health very quickly out the gate. And I can easily educate, just like you just did, bam, 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 knowing those numbers, being able to divide triglycerides over your HDL, even if you cannot initially get that fasting insulin. You know, obviously, I always give recommendations on where to get it. But yeah, that's the window. And then, girl, I always say, like, get a CGM on. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, of course, this is what, you know, what we do at Levels. We empower people to use technology to understand their health. It's four years in to being, you know, a Levels co-founder. And I just, my head still explodes, literally thinking about the fact that we have $4 trillion healthcare costs. 
Nine of the 10 leading causes of death in the United States are related to blood sugar. Women are outpacing men two to one postmenopausally on Alzheimer's dementia, which is now being called type three diabetes. Alzheimer's dementia is literally creeping down younger and younger and younger due to metabolic dysfunction. We've got heart disease as the leading killer in men and women, cancer rates going up, all these things we know are related to blood sugar and metabolic health. We literally have tools that are not that expensive to monitor it, understand it, and improve it. And they're not part of our common practice yet. It makes my head explode. You know, I'm like, and it just, just, and then you see the suffering that's happening out there of people 20 years slow decline towards death as their metabolic health gets worse and worse and worse. And the reality is that we can all, it's not that complicated. You can understand it. You can take ownership of it. You might have to do it outside of the conventional doctor's office. And you can feel healthier with some very simple strategies that get your blood sugar balanced, get your insulin levels down and get your metabolic health better. And that's available to everyone. So the technology, unfortunately, is not available to everyone because it's still unfortunately so expensive and doctors, the average doctor is not prescribing it, but the general learnings and tools about how to stabilize blood sugar are out there thanks to people like you who are spreading this message. And um, and you don't need the technology to be able to make some of the changes. It certainly can help um, sort of dial it in and personalize it. But but yeah, blood sugar stabilization, you know, that is something that um, is relevant to everyone, really every child and every adult in America now, given how monumental the rates of these blood sugar-related issues are with over 50% of Americans now with prediabetes or type 2 diabetes. It's truly relevant to everyone. It is. I mean, I, you know, I just learned recently, I don't know how I didn't know this stat, but that 30% of our teenagers are pre-diabetic. I mean, it's, it's happening that early. And, you know, something that you um, said that really struck a chord with me recently is that every, every system in the body, every symptom you're dealing with benefits from better, more improved cellular metabolism from mood swings to energy levels to brain function to you know your ability to just get around in life every cell benefits from more improved cellular metabolism and and I believe that in my core absolutely i mean we have close to like somewhere around 40 trillion cells in our body and every single cell needs efficient energy production to work properly and all of those chemical reactions that are fueled by energy in the body, they all just bubble up to become our lives. That's all we are. We are these cells that, you know, aside from like the spiritual side of things on a physical level, like our animating life force, the fire that actually fuels this entire experience of life that we're having is the result of our cells using energy properly. That's metabolism. And we have 200 or more types of cells in our body. It's so cool. We had one cell to start with, right? We were one microscopic cell that got fertilized and it turned into 200 different cell types that, and then 40 trillion cells. And and it's all powered by energy. And 93% of American adults have a problem making energy in their body now. That's metabolic dysfunction. 93% of Americans, because of the way we're living in our modern industrialized Western world, which just over the past hundred years on every vector, food, sleep, movement, stress, toxins, light, temperature, microbiome, on every vector, 
it's just crushing the parts of our cell that actually makes energy. So you've got 8 billion people on the planet and a lot of them now have cells that are essentially crippled in the fundamental process of making energy to power every cellular reaction of our lives. And so what do you have? You have this depleted global population who is ill, where all these different cell types that all do different things, you know, the retinal cells and the blood lining cells and the ovarian cells and the liver cells and the skin cells, all these cells are like sputtering along, underpowered, leading to then of course, bodies and lives and minds that are suffering and struggling. And we're approaching it in this backwards way of basically looking at all the different symptoms that are arising and just like whacking them with different medications, totally ignoring the fundamental root cause pathway of metabolic dysfunction that's actually resulting in all these different, seemingly different symptoms. And so, yeah, I think that for people who are listening, who might be dealing with like multiple different symptoms and, you know, seeing multiple different specialists and maybe being on multiple different medications, there may be some benefit to that for sure. But I would just encourage everyone to really think about bringing a metabolic lens to some of this because for most Americans, there's probably a metabolic component to almost any symptom or disease that we're facing right now. And it's something that's actionable. So really thinking about how do I support the mitochondria? How do I support insulin sensitivity? How do I support my cells making energy? Which ultimately means looking at all the different lifestyle and dietary factors that we know are relevant to metabolic health. So again, like food, sleep, movement, stress and relationships, microbiome, light, temperature, toxins, take stock in your life of where there's room for optimization to basically support your cells in doing their work properly and not having just sort of this like crushing foot on top of them that's basically stopping them from being able to do their work properly. So I just sort of take that like very much have kind of started to identify with like, I am the mother to all of my mitochondria. I am the mother to all of my cells. And like, it is my job as like the whole person to basically be a defender and a protector and like a mama bear to all these cells that the modern world and so many different multi-trillion dollar industries are trying to extract value from. And it's my job to protect them essentially. Mm, I love that. I think, and you're right, it is our job to protect our cellular energy. It's because when we lose that efficiency, that's when we start to see those numbers that we were talking about go up and go out of range. But it all boils down to how efficiently are we leveraging our energy on a cellular level? And I know you mentioned kind of the big pillars, but Casey, you know, if you were to start, because I know some of these pillars can feel so overwhelming and women are like, I can't even go to the bathroom by myself. You know, I get that there's all that that comes up. What, what would be the biggest pillar for you? Like when you think about, you know, if I had, if you were to just pick one, like where, what, what would be the pillar that you feel would move us in the right direction metabolically and that would help us to create more efficient cellular energy? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think in the past, I might just jump into like, just truly speaking about one of these pillars, which I will, but I think something that's really feels like it's becoming more and more something I feel it's important to share is that I think, I think the, the foundational pillar to like all of this is mindset. And I think that it's so much easier said than done, but like the first step in, I think, achieving the best health that we can is believing that healing is possible 
and believing that your body has the ability and will get to a place where you feel great and that that is something that is within your reach. So frankly, it's actually just like a a big thinking, positive, expansive, maybe even limitless perspective. And you might be faking it. I'm usually faking it when I think that. I'm like, I can, I can, I can do this thing. I can be healthy. But I, I'm really becoming more and more a believer in this idea that actually starting with some of that like grand possibility thinking is necessary to let a lot of these things fall into our life in the best possible way. And it might feel Pollyanna. It might feel like a little toxic positivity. There's lots of... Th- but like, I think it's a lot harder for the body to heal if it's hearing a message inside the head that it's going to be hard and painful and deprivation and horrible and very... Ch- just like... So I think mindset is a big one. And, and, and fundamentally, cultivating the belief inside of you that you can be in the health state that you want to be and feel the way that you dream of feeling. Just start there. I think that's... I think it's really important. Create the field around you of possibility so that it can hopefully happen. So that's step one, I think. Uh, That's step one. I agree with you. I walk women through a process, a facilitation process of becoming their healthy vision self. So imagining themselves, whether it's 30 days out, 60 days out, a year out, and getting so crystal clear on who she is, you know, and like, what is she doing? What is she not doing? You know, who is she working with? You know, how is she talking to herself? Like all of this to the point where I have women in like literally write it out and record it in a voice memo that they can listen to every single day about who they are becoming. Um, Because I find that, gosh, it just drives our ability to take that first step and when, when motivation starts to feel like when life starts to happen and, and we can get knocked off kilter, just that beautiful reminder of where we're going, of who, who she, she's already there. We're just, go, we're just getting there. Um, it's just so powerful. I love that so much. And I really do believe it. You know, you think about the brain, anything that we experience, anything we feel, any emotion we feel, anything that seems to be coming from the outside, like ultimately it's just, it's something happening in our brain. It's a perception, like that happiness we're going to feel in the future is some chemical state in the future brain. And the crazy thing is, is that you can actually cultivate that future state in your brain now through thought, you know? And so it's like, you actually can create a totally different reality in your brain by focusing on really like what you're talking about. What is that future person and self and like cultivate what it would not just, I think, thinking about who that is, but feeling what it will feel like to be that person. So that is hard, actually. It's actually like sitting still and letting yourself vision what that could be like. Maybe it's just like, oh my gosh, I have no aches and pains and I'm able to like be sprightly and walk as quickly as I want up the hill or pick up my grandkids without pain or really enjoy this salad that right now doesn't look good to me or whatever it is. Any of those experiences, ultimately what you want in those experiences is to feel a certain way, to feel good, to feel happy, to feel light, to feel fulfilled. So I think part of the visioning process is actually to let yourself now imagine feeling that way. What would it feel like to just 
and really cultivate the feeling. And I think there's a profound energetic shift that happens when you allow your brain to essentially generate the chemicals, what you're trying to strive for in the future and feel it almost now. It's Again, it's easier said than done, especially when there's a lot of struggles happening in your current life. But I think it's an important part of the health process more. And every year I'm realizing more and more that I think this is actually a part of it because it's much harder for these like outcomes to be delivered, I think, into our lives if we're pushing against them with a sense of impossibility or negativity or a sense of expecting it to fail. So anyways, with all that said... (laughs) I love that. Yeah. It's about feeling it. Yeah. Like tapping into what it would feel like, being in the energy of it. That's the ticket. And then I always have women recording from that, that feel good place. You can feel how how she sounds, how she feels about it moving in, you know, into your everyday life. That's how I operate. Like I have my future healthy vision self. I know what she feels like. I know what she's doing. I know how joyful she is and how good it feels to just fire on all cylinders. Like it just feels so good. And then it just may, it just, it just allows for me to, because let's be honest, you and I make a lot of healthy decisions every day, a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. And, you know, and I think that a lot of times they feel very effortless to me at this point um, because I've been feeling into it for so long, you know? And then some things I'm, you know, more feeling into, you know, it's a bit, a little bit of a stretch, but overall it's a feeling that I'm trying to cultivate when I'm choosing these beautiful habits and rituals. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. Yeah. I think there's really something to it in a way that's hard for us to understand, you know, on on like a scientific level. But I think there's a lot of forces at play in our society, especially towards women. Women are ultimately the creators of the world. You know, they create life. They create consciousness within their bodies. Women are incredible. And, you know, this power to literally transform and alchemize matter into human life and consciousness. It's beautiful. Women, I mean, I I believe that women can do anything, you know? And I think that there are so many forces in our culture that essentially want to make us feel very, very limited. And like, like we are not actually capable of creating anything that we want to, any, any vision, any life, and that you need systems and you need external things to be dependent on to basically get what you want. When really, I think there's so much more power to our mind and to the fields that we can create around us and in community. I think when you're around other women, there's a, there's a type of energy that can sometimes arise that feels like something very magical. And there's something, there's just something beautiful there. And I think that we can really apply that towards health as well. But part of it is breaking out of the systems that have really been institutionally trying to limit our understanding of the power. And this applies to men too, of course. I bet, but like, I think that, you know, obviously your audience is mostly women. And so I just, I think that it's sort of like reclaiming like this sense of creative potential that inherently lives in all of us and that we can apply towards really anything in our lives. And so what does it look like to get really tuned in to creating the vision of the health we want, of the, of, of the future state, of thriving that we want and get really clear on it, feel it in our bodies, and then, you know, see how things start emerging, maybe in a slightly more effortless way. I, I don't want to make it sound like it's all so easy, but I think the creative, the creative potential within us is is vast and it's been, 
in many ways stolen from us in modern society by the ways that different forces, you know, try to limit limit the power of creation that humans have. So, so that's, I mean, I, I just, you know, moving away from the conventional healthcare system and from being a surgeon, and I, I've been able to kind of explore more of these kind of paths. And I think there's something to it, um, you know, you know, step one is believing in it. Yeah, there's a power. Well, I was thinking, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, I always, well, obviously I always think about women's bodies. And I was thinking about how, you know, our bringing, you know, out the alchemizing of bringing together matter and consciousness into humans, into legacy, um, is that our entire body system is built around our reproductive system and that we have just pretended that this isn't true. I was like, we should have been the standard how we study and how we look at metabolic health around aliveness and creating life. I just thought about how you all of the hormones and metabolic health and blood sugar, insulin, all of this, it all has to be working efficiently enough for us to carry on the next line. And, you know, I, we just diminish that. We diminish that power. Mm, that lands so deep. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. So I guess circling back to some of the practicality stuff, it's like, you know, we talked about, I, I mentioned very briefly some of those, those pillars and- Which I love. They're my favorite pillars. They're, they're, yeah, and we need them all. We need them all, but it's a lot, you know? But I think what I like to really think about is that it's not that everyone needs to basically do, go all in on all of them. I think- Every person's journey to metabolic health is going to be different based on what the different factors in your life are. So let's say we're talking about food, sleep, movement, stress and relationships, toxins, microbiome, light, and temperature. All things, basically all these little like levers and vectors and knobs that we can kind of tune up and tune down to basically, with the key point being that you're leveraging these different things to create a, an environment and a culture for your cells where they can make energy properly. So if it's movement, you know, we know that that zone sort of lo, like low intensity walking, more like zone two exercise, it's an energetic signal to our cells to tell them to take up glucose, make more mitochondria, and for the mitochondria to work more efficiently. And we also know if we lift something really heavy, that's a different energetic signal to the cells to say, we need you to grow in size, muscle hypertrophy, more mitochondria, and maybe higher basal metabolic rate. So each of the, and with toxins, you know, environmental synthetic toxins, some of which we know are direct mitochondrial disruptors, it's like, okay, so this is a chemical signal, a bad chemical signal to this precious part of the body, our life force, our mitochondria saying, stop working, don't work so effectively. So we need to maybe peel that off a little bit, put in a little bit more of the resistance training. Okay. We've got high cortisol. So we know sleep's going to be a wonderful mitigator of that. It's going to quell some of that. So I'm going to sprinkle a little bit more sleep in, you know, we know that the refined sugar and the refined grains are going to overwhelm the mitochondria, gum them up a little bit, create oxidative stress. We're going to peel back some of that. And it's just this constant creative dance of like all these things that affect the same precious part inside of our cells. How do we create an environment for it? That's like, so it can just do its work because when it does its work well, everything in our life gets easier. Life becomes 
beautiful. And in a sense, it's because when the mitochondria are working well, when they're converting essentially like food to our life force, you know, and food, which is of course upstream of food is the sun. So we're kind of, it's like, I think of it on the spiritual level of like, ultimately when our mitochondria are working properly, we're letting the energy of the universe flow through us in an unencumbered way. And what results? Mental health, energy, creativity, longevity, like everything we want. And so we want to be this like beautiful flow of universal energy. And the way we do that is we protect the mitochondria and we do it through all those levers. So part of it is looking at all of them and saying, in my life today, this week, this year, this season of my life, which ones are struggling? Which ones are great? Which ones do I actually even have the capability of changing? Which ones do I not? And then basically cobble together the best possible combination of them that you can, and then release all guilt for the ones that you basically can't focus on right now. If you're a brand new mom and you are getting up multiple times a night, sleep is probably not going to be the one that you're going to crush that that year. Like, But maybe there's ways to make food and environmental toxins and relationships like really great at that time of life. So I think it's like a constant taking stock of what's possible, what's crushing, what's not crushing, and just sort of like create a bit of a of set of actions for you that, that feel sustainable. In my mind, food is very foundational. Like that to me, that's, I, I, I love food. I love thinking about food. I love the idea that our every single atom in our entire body is built of food. Mm-hmm. Of information, like molecular information. The building blocks and the instructions come from food. And so if there are ways to get that really dialed in, a lot will get easier. And so thinking through that, it's like, it's it's really, the, the name of the game is as much unprocessed whole foods as you possibly can put in your body, ideally from as sustainable sources as possible. So like whole foods from good soil for as many calories and meals as possible as you can is going to really be the foundation of good health. I don't even really care what pattern of diet it is, vegan, carnivore, paleo, whatever. It's like if the food is in as close to its natural form as possible, comes from good soil, isn't covered in toxins, the body really knows what to do with it. The body can utilize it. The body has a lot of redundant pathways. And so just any particular area where you can move towards more whole foods, you know, I think the better. So that's kind of, I think, a big foundational foundational step. And we can certainly talk through some strategies on that. But if I had to kind of pick, pick one to really focus on, that's it. Yeah. That would be mine. <laughs> and mindset. I, you nailed it there too, is the be- believing, getting to that feeling and, you know, not doing your best to not create resistance against yourself. So I do agree with the, and I do agree that that universal energy is flowing through us and flowing through our mitochondria. But the molecular messaging that comes from our our food substrates is so critical um, because it's giving our mitochondria information. So I'm a big, and it's the thing that we're making the biggest decision on every single day, multiple times a day, you know, um, sleep, Just one time. I mean, we got to nail that too. But like food, you know, it happens. We make that decision a lot. We vote with our fork more often than we recognize. I love that. And then measure, as we talked about from the very beginning here, which was 
you know, you're putting the right substrates, you know, as close to, you know, unprocessed as possible, you know, from your local farmer's market or wherever you're getting your beautiful, amazing produce. And then, you know, measuring doesn't hurt, you know, always kind of just seeing where you're at, you know, especially as we get older. Yeah. I mean, and, and on the food thing, I like to focus a lot more on what you put in the body rather than what you take out, you know, like more of a constructive rather than a restrictive view to health, because I think that mindset is really encouraging. It's like, ultimately every day, if I can load up as much of the good stuff as possible, getting rid of the bad stuff actually becomes a lot easier. But if there were three things I would say to just like make life a little bit easier in terms of like food labels, it's like, if you're, you know, ideally perimeter of the grocery store, you know, fresh produce, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, legumes, beans, fish, meat, eggs, et cetera, just like natural foods. But if you're going to buy the box stuff, which is a lot of very healthy packaged foods, like I think about like flax crackers or like a... Like maybe beans or um, like, you know, we could, let's just, we could sit here for about 20 minutes and come up with a list. (laughs) But I think that if you look at those labels, you just pick up anything in the grocery store. And if it does not have any added sugars, that's amazing. Just like that, that's step one, like no added sugars. And so there may be carbohydrates and there may even be sugar if it's like from a fruit or something, but you want that added sugar to basically be zero. And no, so no added sugars, no refined sugars, no refined ultra-processed grains. So that's anything with like the white or wheat, you know, flour, and then no industrial seed oils, which is going to be like the, you know, soybean oil, cotton seed oil, safflower oil, grapeseed oil, vegetable oil, canola oil, et cetera. Really like just things that have essentially olive oil, avocado oil. Look at the label. I mean, even roasted cashews. We roast our own cashews, but, or canola, even organic, organic roasted cashews. You're just like, no. But I would say like, if you just put a wallet size card, you know, that sort of says like these simple rules. And if you go to the grocery store and just don't put anything in your cart, I would also add ideally, if you, if you can do organic versions that, so like basically organic and then no refined grains, no refined sugars, no added sugars, and no industrial seed oils. Basically, anything you pick up will be a lot better choice, essentially. So that's a good way to kind of just like weed out some of it. Because it's a question of like, is this healthy? Is this not healthy? If you stick to those three things that you just don't want in your food, in your packaged food, you'll end up filling your cart with a lot better stuff. Unfortunately, it will mean that you have to eliminate probably... 95% of what's in the grocery store. It's slim pickings, girl. Some t- I mean, you know, for some stores, you know, depending on where you live and where you're going, you know, you're thinking about motherhood in that first year, even pregnancy, even primester before pregnancy, you know, where I really scrutin- like scrutinized over labels. I was, you know, there were a lot of things that I thought originally, maybe I just didn't pay a lot of attention the first time around and then like really cared. And I was like, okay, this is all gone. This doesn't make the list anymore. And so, but, you know, it's, again, if we're the protectors, if we're the mama bears of our mitochondria, we really need to get to that level of scrutiny when it comes to what's going in our bodies and especially what's going into our family's bodies, into my son's body. I make his muffins from scratch. Yeah, I make, because <laughs> there's no muffins out there. You know, there's just not, there's not cookies. Maybe, maybe Hugh's got some cookies, but you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> thank you, Hugh Kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. You just got to become, yeah. And, and, and be, I think it's that time, especially if you're at the grocery store, give yourself that time, give yourself extra time to really get to know your ingredients, to spend some time doing that. And something that you may have even been picking up for years, maybe take a second look at it, you know, just in case, you know, cause it's been, you know, so automatic for so long. And then I think that there's really something to be said. And you are such a beautiful, amazing chef, you know, the creations that you create, girl. Oh my gosh. One day I'm hoping to be invited for dinner. And, um, <laughs> but you know, the spend time, I know, I know it's a precious commodity, but I mean, if, if I was going to spend any amount of time, it really is in the kitchen with my family and really, you know, making sure that we're hitting a lot of those macro and micronutrients and antioxidants that are feeding our gut microbiome and feeding our mitochondria. And so I just really want to implore that healthy eating and healthy cooking, it doesn't have to be so complex. It really doesn't, but it just may mean a little bit more time in the kitchen, which I think in the, in the scheme of things is just so worth it. If there was going to be a place to put your time, I would say that that would be a place that is so worthwhile. Well, I would so much rather spend a little bit of extra time in the kitchen holding and working with beautiful, colorful, plump, luscious produce that is beautiful to look at, beautiful to touch, beautiful to smell. I'd rather spend my time there with those things than spend my time in the doctor's office. And that is the trade-off. You're either spending time in the kitchen or you're spending time in the doctor's office. I, I can't even remember the last time I've been to the doctor's office. You know, I, I just I get a lot of labs done. I do get labs. I do. I was at Quest yesterday getting my 110 biomarkers done with Function Health, which I just love. But I mean, like, you know, for the cold or the flu or the the infection or the this or the that. You know, it's like when you're when you're building a resilient body, which happens in the kitchen it will save time in the doctor's office. You can never avoid ever getting sick. That's not, of course, what I'm saying, but you can certainly minimize your risk. I mean, you look at older folks who get the flu and people who have blood sugar problems are five times more likely to be hospitalized and die from the flu. Like it's just, you know, this is not a conjecture. It's the reality. The people who were hospitalized from COVID and died of COVID were people who had chronic metabolic issues, which are rooted in diet. So it's an upfront cost, but um, in terms of time and actually in terms of, you know, to some extent money, but, uh, you know, we, we pay one way or the other in time and money. Exactly. Well, I just, that's why I tell my women all the time is like, right now you get to choose. You get to choose how to spend your time and how to take care of yourself. That's on, that is your freedom. It's your personal freedom. Or you are in a forced situation where you're forced to go to doctor's visits. You are forced into a diagnosis. You are forced into spending that, that cost and having to spend into your deductible. That isn't choice anymore. That isn't freedom anymore. That's a forced ex expense, a time expense. And so you get to choose. Do you want to carve that path or do you want it to be carved for you? Yeah. Ooh, man, I haven't heard it said that way. That's really powerful. That's really, really powerful. Yeah. And I think that some of us have this sense of like, well, it's not a guarantee that I'm going to get sick. And that's true. You know, you might, you might escape it. Everyone's got the grandmother who smoked and ate this and that, all that stuff. But that's not a dice roll that I'm willing to really make because six in 10 American adults have a chronic illness. And, you know, the average American sees, I think like 
24 specialists in their lifetime or something. Like we're, the average is very much like we are going to deal with some sort of serious health issue. And so just in the face of that, I think, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's not, I, I don't want to roll the dice on it, you know, and, and anything could happen. Anything, you know, stuff can happen. You cannot control all these different factors, but you can set yourself up for success. And I think that's that's all you're trying to do is to to kind of like shift the odds in your favor. And then of course, feel good while you're doing it. You know, it's not just about the future. It's how you feel today. Now, yes. And that's that's always what I'm, ple- I'm always like, here, yes, I'm thinking about your future and I want you to feel 10 years down the road, which we're, you know, we're not thinking about, but man, when you're there, you really want to still feel the same. But I want to, I mean, you're coming to me because you've got symptoms now that are disruptive, that are messing with your day-to-day, that are having an impact on your family. It's it's all a win. It's, you know, it's yes and we can deal with them today and we're buying you a lot of time down the road. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about measuring because I know we do have a giveaway as well. You have this sexy giveaway, girl. You came with goodies today. <laughs> And so one of the first thing you said out the gate is, you know, we don't know if we've got a metabolic problem really until we measure it until we like, that's when we know. And, you know, one of the best ways to, to really get a sense of what's going on with our body, especially in a 24 hour period is with like using something like levels health and a continuous glucose monitor. And man, what what a game-changing experience. I know that you guys are spending a lot of time with your customers right now, and I'm sure a lot of them are coming to you with just these insane aha moments, things that they just had no idea were happening with their body and their blood sugar. All the time, yes. So we've been around for four years now, and the mission of Levels is to reverse the metabolic disease epidemic. And we're doing this by enabling access for people to this technology, continuous glucose monitoring and other metabolic lab testing to get at exactly what we've been talking about. This sense of empowerment of like, I understand my metabolic health, this most foundational piece of my health that sort of underlies all other parts of health. And I understand it. I understand what's affecting it in my diet, the food I'm eating, the choices I'm making, and I I know how to improve it. And that's just then something that people can own and feel empowered by. So that's really using this device, the continuous glucose monitor, which is the sensor that goes on the back of your arm and is actually telling your blood sugar 24 hours a day, seven days a week, sending it to your smartphone and letting you see in real time, closed loop biofeedback, how all the choices you're making, every bite you're taking, every meal you're having, um, how much sleep you're getting, what exercise you're doing, how it's affecting your metabolic health in real time so you can make more focused, targeted decisions to stabilize and improve it. We know, and I know we've talked about this on previous podcasts I've been on with you, that these ups and down swings in glucose, these big spikes and big crashes, they make us feel crummy day to day. And over the long time, those big spikes and crashes lead to more insulin resistance and then ultimately to more serious metabolic issues. So we want to keep the blood sugar more stable, more gentle rolling hills, which is going to essentially give the body, it's it's a sign that you're giving the body a break essentially from having to just like process this monumental load of glucose, which then really hurts and crushes that mitochondrial function. When you're going on that huge glucose roller coaster, you're putting your body under metabolic strain. So by learning how to choose foods that keep you more stable and pair it with other lifestyle factors like stress management, sleep, and movement to keep things more stable, you're just basically giving your body a 
big leg up on the metabolic path. So that's what levels enables through the access to continuous glucose monitors paired with software that interprets it. And then we've released some other offerings more recently, like actual metabolic blood testing, because something when we talk to our members, so often we hear that people are going to their doctor asking for these metabolic tests and the doctor's saying, no, they're saying insurance doesn't cover this, or you're not diabetic. We're not going to get this for you, or you're thin. You don't need these, these tests. And it's just all ridiculous. So we're trying to really help people feel empowered to get that testing with like essentially one click. Like, you know, you can say it's January. I want this testing. And then in February, if you want to retest, you can. If you want to do it in March, if you want to do it every six months, it's up to you. There's no reason why there should be a roadblock between us and this information this about our bodies. So we pair the, the metabolic blood work with the CGM to give people this sort of, you know, these signposts, which are the, the biomarker, the testing from the blood of like, this is where I stand. This is sort of my level of metabolic health right now. And the sensor is more of like a behavioral tool to guide you towards the next signpost to see like, okay, I did these interventions. I tried to dial in my diet and lifestyle. I got feedback continuously from the CGM. And then you can retest the biomarkers and see how you're moving in terms of um, that more comprehensive picture of metabolic health. So, So people can certainly get benefit from either of those alone, but together they kind of give you a nice balance of answering that question how's my metabolic health? And then a tool to help you move in the right direction. I love it. It's, it's, it's very much a roadmap. So that, and like you said, just kind of measuring and, and tracking and making real-time changes can, I mean, that's what it is. That's what this, this is all about. That's what's going to change your metabolic health. That's what's going to optimize your energy levels. And you're going to feel a difference that I know for sure. Yeah. And it's so funny to see what people discover. Like, you know, the people who have been having oat milk in their latte for months or years because they thought oat milk was a better choice. And then they put the sensor on and they're going up 60, 70 glucose points. And it's like every morning, girl, every morning and didn't know. But the worst part is they thought it was a better choice. So they're actually, people are actually trying, but they're getting bamboozled because of marketing and because we don't have this data. So that's a big one is oat milk. We see a lot with, um, oh gosh, I mean, with breakfast, I feel like breakfast really, people have these just, it's both devastating, but also so they're so happy that they learn the information, which is that like they thought a particular breakfast was like great for heart health or whatever. The one that always kind of comes to mind is oatmeal. And certainly not saying that oatmeal is like, you know, the worst thing in the world, but for some bodies, instant oatmeal just kind of eaten by itself can cause a really, really, really big glucose spike. And it's never great to have a huge glucose spike. It's not going to like cause diabetes. One spike is not going to cause diabetes, certainly, but even one spike can make you crash afterwards and actually feel really tired and hungry after that meal. So even though it's that one spike isn't the difference between health and disease, it can make you feel crummy. And a lot of those spikes over time can lead you down that pathway. So people, we see a lot of people switching from like oatmeal with some fruit, maybe a small glass of OJ, totally think it's a reasonable breakfast, but they find that they're going up 70, 80 glucose points immediately after breakfast. They switch to maybe a chia pudding with full fat coconut milk 
with a little bit of low glycemic berries, no juice, maybe some coffee with some full fat, either grass-fed milk or maybe like a no-sugar almond milk. And then they find that they get no glucose spike. Like, And it's a pretty similar breakfast. You know, it's sort of like same family of breakfast. You know, some people don't want to switch from oatmeal maybe to eggs, but chia pudding kind of has a similar feeling, but it has way more fiber, way more protein, no net carbs, healthy fats, and all those antioxidants, all that. Exactly. And if you can find a fruit that's that's less glucose spiking for you. So this is something I find so fascinating about CGM for me personally. Within a food category, like fruit is a category and there's maybe 30 fruits you can buy at the grocery store. And for me, I'm like, I like them pretty much all the same. I'm like, I like fruit, like fruit's good. But like some of them cause a huge spike for me, like grapes, for instance, pineapple. Some of them cause no spike for me, like apples or a particularly unripe pear or blueberries. Blueberries, you know, I'm a little bit of a spiker on blueberries, but actually raspberries I do well with. Raspberries are one of the highest fiber fruit actually there is, about eight eight grams of fiber per cup. So some raspberries, some apples, some some sort of crisp pears, no, like pretty much no spike. So if I put those on my chia pudding, like I'm pretty much having a stable breakfast. If on the other side, I just had a handful of grapes and maybe a few bites of oatmeal, I might go up a hundred points. And so that's just, that's the difference between a day of fatigue, low-grade anxiety, cravings, carb cravings, and stable. Yeah. Deregulated blood sugar all day long. Yes. You're just on the roller coaster at that point, whether you know it or not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think the a really good reframe for breakfast is essentially avoiding the glucose roller coaster for the day. There was a really interesting paper that was put out in Nature, Premier Medical Journal, just last year that showed that when people spike, when they have a big glucose spike, and then often that's Subsequently, you have a crash because the body essentially sees a big glucose load, overcompensates, and the glucose will then crash as the body sucks up all that glucose out of the bloodstream. That crash is called postprandial reactive hypoglycemia. Reactive from the spike, hypoglycemia, low blood sugar. Well, the body doesn't like to have super low blood sugar because that's almost like a panic sign. So it wants to get you back up to baseline. So then the response in the body is to drive cravings for carbohydrates. So this paper basically showed that the magnitude of reactive hypoglycemia was predictive of people's cravings and their total consumption of basically calories throughout the following 24-hour period. So getting off the roller coaster, especially at breakfast, is one of the best things we can do to actually minimize our cravings. And and I people I think often are like diet's so hard for me because I'm just so hungry. Right? I'm just chasing these these swings. You're chasing this reactive hypoglycemia that's happening. And hunger is actually modifiable through smart strategies. One of those smart strategies for modifying our level of hunger, which is not inherent to us or our personality or our willpower, it's actually biologically modifiable. One of the ways to do it is to prevent 
reactive hypoglycemia, which means stabilizing our meals better. That might be through choices of what we eat, like what we just talked about. It might also be by pairing your meals with more fiber, protein, and fat to stabilize it. It might mean taking a little walk after the meal, but basically keeping the big spike and crash down. Another way to modulate hunger is to eat more protein with your meals. One of the most satiating macronutrients, make sure you're getting enough protein that will like even out the hunger throughout the day. And then a third way is to get sleep. Sleep deprivation is one of the biggest drivers of our hunger hormones. And so between stabilizing glucose, getting more protein and getting enough sleep, you can actually turn the knob down on hunger, which gosh, if there's any superpower that you can generate in the body, like not like, like feeling less of that, like urge you need to eat. We've all been there. It it can be overwhelming. And, um, and you often don't make great decisions in that moment, you know, whether you're going shopping to eat or you're just grabbing something quick, you know, it's, it's kind of like you've been, there's a like wool over your eyes in terms of making a good metabolically healthy choice. You just need something. Yeah. And carry those. I like to carry some nuts, some unroasted nuts in my bag. I like to carry Epic bars. So like venison or beef, grass-fed beef that are just like straight protein, no sugar. You know, sometimes having a little guacamole packet, they sell them at Costco, organic, with a, eat it straight with a spoon. But these sort of like fat or protein-based snacks that you can have with you so that you don't grab for the default that's usually around, which is a small bag of chips, a crackers, a cookie, a muffin, a pastry, a granola bar, like all these things that are going to make your life so much harder for the rest of the day. And if you have a a, a, a different snack, you're it's probably if you're hungry, it's going to taste great, you know. So yeah, like anything like that, hard boiled egg, uh, grass fed beef stick, a yeah, like a flax cracker, cheese something like that, like unroasted nuts, great options to have in your bag. I agree. And you can, I mean, you know, as a mama now, even when we go to somewhere like the zoo or Disneyland or whatever, I've got nuts, I've got beef sticks, like Paleo Valley. I have apples and almond butter. Like I just have, you know, all the things that are cut up and ready to go. I'm so that mom. Um, So that we just have them all to grab. You know, those are the things we grab first. And so that way we are fully good to go. You know, just just being prepared. Prepared. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Casey, honey, thank you so much for sharing your brilliance and really giving us the full spectrum of how we can really nourish our bodies and optimize our mitochondria, take care of those beautiful little powerhouses inside of our body and extend our longevity because that's what we all really truly want and deserve. And then one of the things that you brought today is a little giveaway, which I believe is an annual membership and a and a continuous and and access to a continuous glucose monitor for a month. Is that correct? I mean, okay, yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. So there's a giveaway, which is at levels.link/slash Dr. Marisa giveaway, and once the episode airs, there'll be a week to basically go to that link and put in your email address. And then we'll select one winner who gets access to a year-long Levels app membership and a month of continuous glucose monitors. So I think that's about like a about a $400 value. And so would love for one of the listeners to get to try Levels. And so yeah, that'll that'll be exciting. 
And I know that so many of you have been wanting to do this. I know you have. And so just uh, the link is going to be in the show notes. Super easy. Just click it, enter to win. Um, again, you have that week to do it, but do it right now because you're going to forget. You got other things you got going on. Um, and then there will be a winner chosen a week later. And let me tell you, I have a feeling it is your lucky day. So go and do it. And at the very least, you're going to learn a lot about the, this beautiful company and their mission. And, um, and, and even if you don't win, for whatever reason, I want you to consider this. This as a starting point, gift yourself this, this season in your life. Like this is one of the best and most beautiful gifts you can give yourself because it's going to pay dividends out for decades to come. So I just wanted to speak into that as well. Casey, honey, thank you for the beautiful giveaway. Thank you for your beautiful brilliance. And it was such a pleasure having you on. Thank you so, so much. Dr. Casey brought up some very important points today about the different influences on our metabolic health, because it's not just about food, although food plays a big role, but it's our hormones, being outside in nature, it's our sleep, it's our circadian rhythm, having sunlight exposure, all of these really influence our cellular metabolism, our mitochondrial health and vitality. And one of the best ways to know how your environment is impacting your metabolic health is through measuring your blood glucose every day. Among other labs, right? We talked about some labs today, but what I have learned and what I've shared here on the podcast many, many times, knowing what impacts your blood glucose throughout the day is so powerful because then you can make real-time changes to influence your metabolism and then also see that data. It's that data collection that we can accumulate over time every single day that really greatly influences the way that we operate in this world in terms of optimizing our cellular health, our life force. And wearing a continuous glucose monitor with levels has been game-changing for me. It literally changed my life a few years back. And I can say that with the data, I was able to optimize my blood glucose and my metabolism and even reverse my biological age with the changes that I have made over the years, which is priceless. One of the things that I've been sharing recently is that if we can just reverse our biological age by one year, we significantly extend our quality of life. And to me, that's everything, right? Having autonomy over my health, over the things that I do every single day versus being shoved into forced healthcare costs is priceless, right? We cannot put a price on that. So if you've been wanting to try out the Levels membership and their CGM for one month, I have got this incredible exclusive giveaway with Levels Health that Casey just shared about. This is really the opportunity of a lifetime. If you haven't worn a CGM yet and you've been wanting to really understand what's going on with your metabolic health, I want you to enter into this giveaway. And I have a feeling it is your lucky day. So if you head on over to levels.link slash Dr. Marisa giveaway, and the link is in the show notes, so don't worry, just go straight to the show notes and you will find it there. You can enter for a chance to win a Levels annual membership plus a one-month CGM kit. This is such an incredible giveaway. Now, the entry period will be open for one week from today's podcast release. Now, today's date is November 7th. That means it'll be available until November 14th to enter to win. So head on over to the show notes right now before you forget, because I know how busy it gets, and go enter to win. It's super fast and super easy. And then they will be picking a winner and announcing the winner. And again, I'm holding the vision that it is you. 
Now, if you want to learn more about Levels Health, um, I will also have a link inside of the show notes to go and learn more about their program, how their interface works, how they're able to really provide powerful information and powerful data for you to make some incredible changes to your overall health and well-being. So I will have that link as well inside of the show notes. And again, if there was anything inside of this episode today with Dr. Casey and I that just kind of lit you up, that got you excited, that had these big aha moments, I know for me, every time I talk to her, it just really sheds light on how big this problem really is and yet how much control we have over it. So be sure to share it with somebody that really needs to hear this today, someone that you know is really struggling, and take a moment and subscribe to the show and rate the show. That way we get more women who are ready to step into their power and become CEO of their health to find this show and really step in to the health and vitality that they deserve. Until the next episode, have an amazing day.